getting high On our own supply, we getting high On our own supply, hey, giving you the game All facts, no lies, Hello and welcome to High on Our Own Supply, a podcast sponsored by Confident Cannabis. I'm your host, Brad Bogus. We're coming at you with a special broadcast from the Corona Apocalypse. Talking about the cannabis supply chain when it is normal just doesn't seem relevant during abnormal times. So this special episode is focused on COVID-19 and the impacts it is having on the cannabis supply chain. We'll be covering this topic in a few ways over the next few episodes, depending on how long this will go on for. This episode is focused on how retailers and delivery companies are managing their businesses through the crisis and how the supply chain has changed for them during it. We have three different guests representing retail and delivery across California. Kiana Anvirapur of Sweetflower is based in Los Angeles. Ted Lichtenberger of Flower Company is based in the San Francisco Bay Area. And Alicia Wingard of Floraterra is based in Santa Rosa. Despite their regional differences, much of what they're seeing is the same. We have some great content coming later in the episode with these amazing guests, so stick around. But before we get to them, let's talk about the word on the street. You hear the word on the street? The word on the street is that the world is ending. Okay, probably not. One thing that is happening is that edible sales are way up during this crisis. Any sales data shows that, but what is more interesting about edible sales, however, is that the biggest performer seems to be cannabis beverages, a category that was having a really hard time gaining market share pre-COVID. We'll be hearing a bit more about this phenomenon in our interviews later in the episode, as all three of our guests have observed the same thing. As a result of the dominating edibles category, there's now a huge demand for process material. Trim and bee bud demand is higher than ever, and the supply isn't as strong because it's not outdoor crop harvest season yet, when the market is typically flooded with that cheap and abundant process material. Because of that high demand, process material is not as cheap as it typically is, trading no less than $200 a pound for low-quality trim. If you're a cultivator or distributor sitting on a lot of trim and bee buds right now, it's the right time to get that product moving. Are you seeing any weird or interesting trends in supply chain during this crisis? Reach out to us at the podcast and let us know. Send us an easy voice message through anchor.fm slash high on our own supply. Just put dashes in between the words of the name, or the link is in the show notes. And that's the word on the street. Every company in the world, it seems, is leading off all of their advertising and marketing messages with, in these unprecedented times, types of phrases. This has to stop. Not only is it unoriginal and hollow, all it is doing is reminding us that we're all in a crisis. We're stuck in our homes, likely scared of all the turbulence and lack of predictability and what will happen next or how long this will go on for. We need an escape, not a hook to drag us back into this shit. That takes me to this episode's pro tip. Pro tip. The pro tip this episode is to stop mentioning the crisis in your messaging. People use cannabis products to reduce their anxiety, increase the joy in their lives or the current situation they're in. They use it to fix pain and other ailments. Healing, joy, positivity. These are the concepts we need to focus on right now. Find ways to position your brand and the products you sell so that you're reminding the customer or patient about those ideas. Provide content for experiences that they can enjoy at home with your product. Understand the trends that are happening in the regular world and bring cannabis into those trends. Whether it's the current fascination with baking bread or gardening, doing art, sleeping, 
binging entertainment, you can find the perfect pairings of your product with those activities and lead off your messaging that way. Give us a place to escape to and remind us why we use cannabis in the positive, not just to combat the negative. That's your COVID-19 pro tip. Pro tip. According to CDC and World Health Organization guidelines, we should do everything in our power to limit the amount of interaction we have in the same room with individuals, with a mask or without. If there's a way for us to continue running our businesses in the cannabis industry without having to be in the same room together, that would be great. Luckily for you, our sponsors, Confident Cannabis, have just that solution. An online marketplace where one can find all of the tested product available in a state in one place rather than having to go through the disparate communication channels of text, email, Instagram DMs, or having people just knock on the retail door to try to get in to meet with the buyer, this is the way that you need to be doing, thinking about doing business now. We need to be doing things online. We need to be using technology to help us communicate. And there's no better way to do that than an online software platform that provides us a, a glimpse into over 14,000 tested products available in the state of California. Now's the time to get yourself a Confident Cannabis wholesale account and get your products listed or go find products to buy for your stores. Stocking up on your shelves has never been more critical than it is now when the supply chain is slightly damaged and or not producing at the same level that it used to be. You need to find new products. You need to keep your customers happy. And if you have one place where you can find all those things and trust what you see, obviously that's a win-win. Head on over to wholesale.confidentcannabis.com to get yourself an account and get started. Okay, so we took a slightly different approach to the interview segment of this episode. Usually we only interview one guest and let the conversation play out unedited. But for this special, I interviewed three guests and edited some of the highlights from those interviews together. You'll be hearing from all three of them throughout the segment, and I'll introduce them as we go. Because these conversations were so great and covered a lot of ground, I'll be releasing the unedited interviews individually afterwards so you can hear the entirety of the conversation from each guest. In the meantime, we're going to kick it off. I began by asking our guests what the state of their businesses were like during the COVID crisis. We begin with Kiana on Virapur of Sweet Flower, a retail store offering delivery services across Los Angeles. Sweet Flower has three locations, one in Melrose, DTLA, and Studio City, with a fourth location soon to come in Westwood. On a mission to disrupt the industry at large as a female-led brand transforming the world of cannabis, Sweet Flower is now the largest independently owned cannabis dispensary in SoCal. Here's what Kiana had to say about their business right now. So, you know, as you know, dispensaries are deemed an essential business. So we remain open. Um, of course, you know, when it all sort of started, uh, we really had to implement a lot of new safety precautions. And, you know, our customers and our employees are of, at the, of the utmost importance. Um, and, you know, while we remain open, we quickly uh, increased our delivery fleet, made sure that there was enough uh, clean cleaning products. We we limited coming in only five uh, customers at a time, requiring masks. Um, you know, I think in cannabis in general, uh, coming and discovering and smelling—it's all part of the experience. Yeah. So for us, you know, things are a little different. 
people. We thankfully we have delivery, and I can touch on that a little bit later um, in, in detail. But you know, every one of our dispensaries has a delivery license, and we've increased our radius to serve all of Greater Los Angeles. Um, so that that discovery experience that's happening that happened pre-COVID, um, you know, people are still coming in while they're, you know, we're, we're making sure that everybody's safe. But the virtual uh, questions that come via social, um, via email, you know, people are constantly asking us, you know, how do I cope? How, how, how do I, I've got two kids in the house, you know, I, my needs are different right now. I want to, I want to feel better. I want to feel calm. Um, so these are the questions that are constantly being asked, especially as a marketer, we've been really quick to um, give our customers an opportunity to uh, experience cannabis virtually. So are those uh, questions that are coming to you virtually, are they the same as the questions that were previously coming across the counter or are you, are you noticing different inquiries coming through? You know, I think say, Sweet Flower has always and will be uh, a wellness destination. Uh, customers come to us and, you know, you know, pre-recreation, it, you know, it's, it was called medical marijuana for a reason. Right. You know, I, they come for needs, whether it's sleep, pain, relief, calm, will you name it? Uh, people come to us for those, for those questions. Now they're asking those questions virtually. Of course, they do still ask, you know, how do I, you know, I, I want, I like a sativa. I want to have energy. I want an indica. I want to, you know, relax at night. Um, they're still wanting to have fun and to, you know, wind down, of course. But I think need-based cannabis use, um, especially for that can-of-curious customer uh, that is new to cannabis, um, it's, it's definitely increased. Um, and, you know, the buying habits have changed uh, a bit as well. Um, and then, sure. of course, you know, they're, they're delivering and it's straight to their home. Up next, we hear from Ted Lichtenberg, CEO of Flower Co. or Flower Company. They are a members-only weed delivery club that gets top cannabis brands delivered in as fast as 24 hours across California from Humboldt County to Long Beach. Flower Co. puts their members and partners first, maintain a lean operation, and keep overhead low throughout the supply chain to save their members money. This is Ted on how Flower Co. has handled this crisis. Yeah, you know, I think life is different for everybody out there pre versus post-COVID, but Things have changed a lot for us. Um, we have seen our demand, you know, almost two x uh, wow. since this started. And beyond just the the obvious growth as people are at home and um, looking for delivery, um, we also are having to change our operations to make sure that we protect our our workers and their safety as well as the safety of our customers. And so, what we're really experiencing is rapid breakneck neck growth at a, um, a moment where it's hard to get things done and a, uh, a need to, in some places, slow things down in order to get it done right. Right. Uh, so are you having to like, when you say like, uh, in terms of keeping your workforce safe, are you having to operate with less people in certain areas of that to match that growth? How, how is that working out? Yeah, lucky enough, we have had the facilities where we've been able to keep people distant enough to uh, be safe just because of the, the space, the extra space we had in some of the places we operate. Um, yeah. So it's less of limiting the actual um, presence in there for uh, the, uh, getting the work done. But um, for our, uh, our last mile delivery, um, we are um, only letting in one delivery driver at a time and then there, we're, we're kind of minimizing the amount of in-person interactions in those experiences. And then with, um, with the, for the drivers, uh, just like we're restocking all of our depots with the new orders every day, 
we are facilitating our drivers having enough gloves and alcohol and uh, masks to um, be safe. So whenever we need to restock, we'll send that from our central fulfillment hub out to their uh, to the depots. Our next guest is Alicia Wingard, founder and COO at Flora Terra, a micro business and retail store in Santa Rosa in Northern California. At Flora Terra, they claim to have turned the old school dispensary model on its head by curating a space for education, connection, and style. Engineered with the highest standards in green building, the environment at Floraterra is inviting, open, and educational. They are also still proudly cultivating their own premium flower with proprietary methods from seed to sale. Here's how Alicia said they're holding up. Well, now, I mean, if, if we're talking about right now, things have finally, I feel like, started to become this as our new norm. But um, in the beginning, it was quite challenging. Um, I mean, everything changed immediately um, from that first notification from the Sonoma County Health Department stating that we were going to be, you know, in a shelter in place. And there was some confusing wording in there indicating that only medical facilities, uh, medical cannabis facilities would be allowed to continue operations. And we're rec only. So there was this moment where I was in a pan- I was panicked. Um, mind you, we just yeah. opened back in September and it was such a, a oh rough, long road to get to where we are. So the thought of closing is devastating, you know, not to mention, you know, not only are we retail, we also have, you know, thousands of plants in our facility being a, an onsite cultivation as well. Right. So it was absolutely devastating. We had an outpour of support from our customers. Um, that on that day, just an insane amount of sales took place. Um, we had, you know, I have customers coming in in tears, fearful of not having access because they are not going to be able to afford $150 to get their rec card and, or their medical uh, card. Um, yeah. and you know, one woman pleading with me, um, you know, to make sure that she could still have access because she is uh, a stage four terminal cancer patient and has been shopping with us since September and let her card lapse. And it was this, you know, like moment of chaos. And in that moment, we decided um, that we felt like the wording was probably incorrect and that there may be an update. And we were just going to take that risk of remaining open because so many of the people that we um, serve here truly are utilizing cannabis for medicine. Right. So we stayed open. Yeah, I believe this um, sort of exposed a bit of a problem between the way that we think of cannabis from a recreational slash medicinal standpoint. You know, the fact that we have these distinctions have some sort of historical precedent. But in this current time, uh, you know, especially during this this phase where there was this uncertainty before cannabis was deemed essential, you know, so many people on the recreational side of the market are using this medicinally. And to say that there is a medicinal market and a recreational market is sort of a misnomer, don't you think? I, I completely agree with that. And um, I think anytime we go into this state of crisis, and I feel like this has happened so much, particularly in Santa Rosa with, you know, having, you know, the Tubbs fire and then the Kincaid fire and like all these different fires around us, we go into this like hyper state of emergency. Um, our community has been devastated. And I have found that during these times, there's an increase in these new users and they're coming over to our recreational facility. And I say that with air quotes as we're talking <laughs> Um, but they're seeking out, you know, cannabis to use it for, 
you know, stress, some anxiety relief, um, some, you know, help with sleep, um, and, and really just trying to, you know, figure out how to find this natural solution to the problem that they're having versus turning to pharmaceuticals. So for us, when that first health order came out, we made that decision, we had a feeling that it was going to change. And sure enough, it did, you know, a few short days later, the Sonoma County Health Department reissued their statement stating that we could, you know, any licensed cannabis facility would remain open. We had this incredible support from our governor, um, for cannabis, which yeah. other states kind of see, I believe, you know, as silly. Um, yeah, imagine but, being in Massachusetts right now. I know, I know, I know. So insane. Um, so w- we were able to stay open. We did have to make some immediate changes, and now we are available for curbside pickup only, which has its own set of challenges. Oh, so you're not allowed to have anyone in the store, uh, even following social distancing guidelines. That's correct. So um, even though any other essential business, including restaurants, are allowed to have people come in and pick up their orders, we're not. So my staff has been challenged with trying to, you know, in a matter of one day, figure out how are we going to service our customers? You know, how can we do this effectively? How can we do this efficiently and safe? You know, maintaining safety, not only from the virus, but just the general safety of our employees. Now everybody's wearing masks. It just there's like this certain level of uncertainty. So, you know, we've come out to a car to ask somebody, you know, if they've placed an online order and then walk them through that process or help them try to, you know, figure out what they're getting. And then it's like back and forth to the facility to, you know, get the goods, bring it out, collect a payment. And it's definitely been challenging. But, you know, fast forward to May 8th today, where we are now, and we're able to, you know, people have, our customers are kind of accustomed to it. They've, you know, we've seen an increase in their patients with us because they know it's going to take a little bit longer um, we are a fairly small crew and, you know, we're doing the best we can. So that's no where we're at. Yeah. We dove into what are the new trends that they are all seeing during this time. Back to Ted at Flower Co. When you say that edibles have been really spiking, is that every edible category across the board? Or are there really some interesting trends that you're noticing within certain edibles categories that might be surfacing that, where they weren't previously uh, desired? Well, one of the, one of the edible categories that... Um, we're seeing a lot of attention in it's just the the beverage category. Um, okay, uh, and not just on our our core club site. One of the things that we've started to do with the infrastructure we built for the club is to power other cannabis brands' own e-commerce storefronts, um, kind of like Shopify um, with uh, fulfillment by Amazon tied into it. So, right. so a direct to consumer model in a way. Ex- exactly, we're powering cannabis brands to go direct to consumer. And um, we have seen um, beverage brands like Can do really well um, with that model. And we're excited to, to power other brands um, going direct to consumer in a moment where a lot of the retail channels are more restricted due to COVID. So um, That's really good for uh, cannabis yeah. beverages because they've been a very challenged category previously. No, they have. And I think that people are exploring all of the different types of edibles because they are you know, eager to try something new as they're sitting at home. And now's a great time for brands like Can um, or Kikoko to build a direct-to-consumer uh, user base. And uh, we're really excited to be part of that. Agreeing on the beverages category growth, Alicia shared the trends she observes at Floraterra. 
you said that edibles have been up. Um, are there any particular uh, product categories within the edibles market that you're seeing um, that are increasing in sales, but previously had maybe been ignored or not desired or demanded? Drinks. Yeah, cannabis we beverages, see- huh? Yeah, cannabis beverages. We've seen an increase in the use of cannabis teas have been another thing that have been been an increase in. And then, you know, on the opposite side of things, we're finding that like our our wellness section in terms of like topicals have gone down. So I think people are just orally ingesting more. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because I've been having a lot more back pain since working from home. So you would think the topicals would be, would be up there. Um, Right. But if you're, if you're, if you're now taking a tincture, right. Right. You know, just, you're just a different, a different application kind of goes into like, I feel like a lot of people that use um, topical things are, you know, using it after they were working out or they were, you know, at work and something happened to their body. Um, so it's like this physical stress. And I feel like we're just not getting that same level of, you know, physical exertion um, since most people are unable to do, you know, they're not going to the gym and they're not hiking right, and, right. you know, all these things are closed off to the world. So, yeah, it's a great point. Um, you, you're now the second company that I've heard mentioned that cannabis beverages have, have, have had a huge spike, which is so interesting considering that they were one of the most struggling categories, um, not just in edibles, but in all cannabis products prior to this outbreak. What, what do you think has been the reason why, uh, why beverages in particular are uh, in high demand? I think there's just a variety of things you can do with those beverages, whether you're, you know, drinking the whole thing. I mean, we've, we have beverages in all different categories from a hundred milligram bottles to one milligram, 12 ounce bottles. So it's like, you can titrate these things. If you're looking for a category where you can dose on a budget, you can buy a hundred milligram drink for, you know, pretty inexpensively. And then titrate that into some bubbly water. And that's kind of, I I think we're also pitching it a little bit more. Um, And you get your 10 milligram dose from, you know, less than you could with others, you know, other edibles in particular. I asked Kiana Sweetflower about this trend to cannabis drinks. Have you seen a spike in beverage consumption, specifically cannabis beverages? Yes, yes. Funny you should say, we actually are uh, starting an initiative from Memorial Day weekend and beyond uh, called Drink Differently. It's 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 actually one of my passions right now because we've seen such a, a change in in consumption that you can have a can of cocktail, you don't have to have a hangover, and mm-hmm. also dosing and, and microdosing with you know with we were so lucky that you know recreation has come around for co- new consumers, so you can still feel like you're in control and you had a couple glasses of wine, but you know it, you're consuming cannabis. So yes, we've seen yeah. a uh, there's a lot of amazing beverages like Can, Colexo, Artet cannabis quencher there's 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 a lot of brands coming out on the market something for everyone and and great because you can you know meter your use and make a beautiful cocktail and what what do you think uh is ascribed to this particular time and place that makes cannabis beverages all of a sudden uh, desirable well you know i think even pre-covid and even in november there was a lot of you know there were a lot of misconceptions about vaping and the vape crisis in fact we did Mm -hmm. a whole series in january about uh clean vaping and trusting your vapor and there are products out there in the market that are, you know, not going to, the, the news that you see is, of course, with illegal, you know, illegal dispensaries in the market and, you know, a lot right. of things that that's not what a licensed dispensary put, puts forth. I think that the beverages in particular, especially with COVID and all the, um, 
you know, the concerns with your, your, your lungs and your throat and your body, uh, you know, I think that people are, and liver even, they're looking yeah. to, to change from alcohol to a beverage. Um, you know, it's, I think also drinking is, is, is almost like a ritual, right? So sure. if you want to change your ritual, um, <laughs> it's something a little bit more healthy. Cannabis uh, beverages are a great choice. And then of course they want to protect their lungs and they still want to feel what the way they want to feel with cannabis, but maybe in a different way. Alicia finished up the trends in discussing how the cannabis community is coming together to help and support one another. So our edible sales have, you know, definitely gone up. Um, And then within the supply supply chain, I think one of the most interesting trends I've seen is these um, extraction companies utilizing their own resources to make hand sanitizer. And I think that has been so amazing. And I love to see anytime our industry specifically is able to give back to communities. It it really does make me proud to see that, you know, although that company could have been utilizing that equipment to really drive revenue, they decided to utilize their equipment to help out the healthcare industry. We had one particular company that, you know, or two companies actually that brought cases of um, individual hand sanitizers for our staffs so that our staff could have them for their cars. At one point we were, you know, kind of hoarding that because we were scared we were going to not have enough sanitizer for the facility. So we started using them, but then, you know, thank the hand sanitizer gods, we've found (laughs) gallons of sanitizer for sanitizing stations that we've had to install throughout the facility. So those have been the, the most interesting things I've seen. And, and like I said, I'm just really, um, I'm really proud of how this industry has stepped up. There's a, a, a constant tension in the conversations around cannabis companies as to whether our community orientation, you know, as a, as a, a people who, you know, work within the industry is stronger or our profit motives are stronger. And, you know, certainly some companies operate only thinking about profits first and, and, you know, um, and, and operate in that sort of traditional industry kind of way. We like to believe that cannabis companies are, you know, a lot more heartfelt and a lot more empathetic and, you know, are in it with the community to win together. It's really great to kind of see that, that suspicion confirmed in the actions of so many of the cannabis companies that have done what you've described. I agree. I, yeah, it, it makes me happy. I think it's just a, a big shiny reminder of, you know, what we can do and what we can show the public, um, especially the people that are questioning motives. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we are a business and we can choose to operate as a business that gives back to its community, or we can choose to operate as a business who only cares about profit. We yeah. tried to do, um, you know, just by having extended sales and compassionate care programs and offering, you know, deep discounts to those people in need. Um, those types of things just within our own store. And we're seeing that replicated throughout the industry. It's been very heartwarming. Ted has seen similar things with his partners. It's been kind of funny. We, when, when all of the hand sanitizer uh, went off the shelves, we were able to quickly replace it with alcohol from one of our neighbors next door who has a a non-volatile extraction lab. And we were able to, um, you know, at least have something there to keep things sanitary. That that's been a, a pretty crazy side of the experience. Shifting into how the supply chain has been functioning and how well these retailers producers are meeting demand. Our guests were positive about the signals. Kiana tells us about how her production partners have been doing. You know, I've been incredibly impressed with the brands. Um, I think they've learned to adapt. 
um, have, you know, great protocol and standards and procedures. I think, you know, it's been pretty consistent. I mean, I think the only thing that's maybe changed is a slower turnaround, you know, something that was delivered within two to three days, maybe it's now four to five days, but still that's not, I think initially there was obviously the panic buying happening. Um, and we were concerned that there might be a supply chain issue, but once the dispensaries weren't deemed essential businesses. Um, the flow sort of changed, um, and there was consistent deliveries coming in. Um, albeit, there are you know there are some better seller products that um, you know we have to continue to order at a faster rate, like you know the edibles, for instance. So you know they're still on shelves; they're not out of stock. They're just you know they take maybe four to five days to reorder as opposed to two to three days. So yeah, so far so good. Um, I'm I'm very impressed with our brands and how we've all worked together and come together in this time. Alicia had similar sentiments. The numbers are up in sales, which means that more product is moving. Um, outside of your own production chain, are you seeing your producers able to meet that demand or are you having to bring on new brands into your store that you previously weren't just to help fill the shelf where a producer might be, you know, lower in capacity? So, I mean, I, I don't find that any of my vendors are having any issue meeting the demand. I do see maybe a lag in time to get it because the distribution companies are so overwhelmed with orders. So it's like the producers are able to produce that distribution chain. You know, it might take them, whereas I could have had my order in two days, it might take me four. So really planning appropriately has been, you know, incredibly important. Um, I find we're placing orders that are now triple what we were placing prior. Wow. And we're doing that intentionally, not because we're going to sell through it at that rapid of a pace, but just because we know that, you know, that that distribution sector might be a little delayed. Right. Yeah. So you're just planning ahead. Right. So the producers are still producing, but the distribution companies are definitely overwhelmed. Just like Kiana and Alicia, Ted, too, was pretty optimistic about how the supply chain's holding up. Well, I have been happily surprised by how resilient the industry has been from a supply chain standpoint. We have, there have been brands that have not been able to fulfill our full orders that we're you know, asking from them because their production is slowed down slightly. But there is in general an ongoing steady stream of supply, even if there are some brands that have short, like slightly less production staff. In, in general, I'd say that the, the biggest bottlenecks brands have removed by moving their resources around and we are not on track for any crazy massive shortages at this point. Um, that, can, that could all change. Our, our supply chains are all very dynamic and so if we stop receiving packaging from China, particularly for, for vape cartridges, um, I could see some uh, meaningful disruption down the road. But so far, I've been happily surprised that that hasn't impacted us as much as I thought it could. It is, of course, really hard to predict the future. But considering all the different changes we're experiencing in the supply chain, I wanted to know what these three guests thought the future of cannabis companies would look like post-COVID after learning these same lessons that we've learned during the crisis. Here's Alicia with her thoughts. I think that everybody is going to take a moment to realize that specifically in cannabis facilities, we tend to like just 
cram people into these tight quarters for working. Mm. And I feel like anytime there's cultivation involved, generally it's maximize your cultivation space. Mm. And then you have this tiny little working space for everything else. So we've had to really look at it from that perspective of, wow, we really have a small working space for these people. And outside of COVID, if somebody just has the general flu or a cold or any of those things, like these are probably precautions we should be taking indefinitely um, just to maintain, you know, the safety of our employees within our own facility. Yeah. I mean, it seems like what was once seen as an advantage, which is maximizing space, optimizing, you know, for for space is now a huge disadvantage. And, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that we're going to go on past this COVID crisis without those lessons learned in some way. I don't know that it's necessarily going to completely alter the way cannabis companies operate, but you know, I, I don't think we'll ever forget these lessons and and look at that space and see everything so tightly optimized for space and think, man, everything's great now. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. And and you know, just being perfectly transparent, we were short staffed in our post harvest department when this all began. And had we been at full capacity, we would have had to have laid people off in order to maintain our six foot distance um, mm. within those spaces, which is even for me would have been like a, a worse situation to be in. So I was I was grateful for the fact that we were short staffed and moving forward thinking, okay, well, maybe we need to be able to operate under at this staff level um, just because of the uncertainties moving forward. We don't know what's going to happen this fall. Right. Ted's thoughts focused a little bit more on the macro purchasing behavior of consumers. I think that COVID has changed the way that people in America think about delivery. Folks who never had groceries delivered have had a crash course in what grocery delivery or other food or cannabis or retail delivery, uh, how that can, how, how useful that can be. And so I think those new habits that are being trained through months of isolation will stick. And beyond the new just habit formed of delivery, we will see an increase of you know just general price sensitivity. I think consumer spending outside of cannabis is going to be down because of this depression we're in. And I think cannabis is going to be resilient as an industry because in a hard time, it's a great way to get some relief or relax. I think we'll continue to see uh, the industry do considerably better than the general macro environment. But I think that consumers will increasingly switch to uh, businesses like Flower Company that offer a lot of value to yeah. our members. I think what we'll see is a continued success of the super high-end luxury brands, like premium brands. So think a uh, like a Cookies or a Fig Farms. Yeah. or a, a Royal Key, like super high-end uh, brands will continue to do well. But people will increasingly trade down parts of their wallet to um, more mass market brands, or in a worst case scenario, switch to the illicit market. Similarly, Kiana sees a major shift into the online digital world rather than the experiential marketing world. Well, you know, so cannabis before was very much about experiential marketing. Um, I think that's 
changed a bit. It's a it's down to virtual marketing um, and virtual education. Uh, I think the old adage was a lot of we would have bud tender bud tender education days. The the the, the brands would come in and you know train. Um, I think we we will of course get back to that at some point. But I think the long lasting effect will be just the on demand delivery prominent being the more prominent model for for cannabis. We can they we've learned that we can virtually educate customers through social media and digital education. Uh, they don't necessarily need to come in. Uh, they get the information they need and they can just at the you know tip of their finger they click and purchase and they have it straight at their house under you know under 90 minutes i think that you know like they order amazon packages they're going to order cannabis that way continually and so we've seen a massive spike we ended up having to of course increase our delivery fleet um and we've just seen a, a major shift uh into delivery and i think it's here to stay along with a more online delivery model Ted is also seeing a huge boon to direct-to-consumer models, bringing new customers into Flower Co. with specific interests in things like cannabis beverages. Ted went in-depth about the direct-to-consumer model in the future. I think that this is going to change the face of the cannabis industry over the next few years because historically retailers and a few big delivery businesses um, were the ones who decided what customers got to see, to try, and uh, you know what would be distributed. But right, with, they're with the going, bottleneck. yeah, they're the bottleneck. But with direct to consumer, these brands can build their audience and not be at the whim of that distribution channel. I think COVID is a incredible moment for brands to go out and start their own direct-to-consumer cannabis e-commerce businesses because people are at home and they are looking for things to do and, and, and cannabis definitely helps you pass the time. And so there's a lot of interest in delivery and in a trial and exploration. So we are trying to turn on as many of the, the partners we have on our wait list as we can um, right now. And it's been fun to hear how these fellow entrepreneurs are thinking about building that brand and that community. And I'm really enjoying helping them get, get to market. Well, I hope you enjoyed those interviews. I, for one, am very encouraged by their outlook and perspective. Sales numbers aren't the only indicator for strength in our industry. Knowing that these retail stores and delivery companies are still able to serve their customers while remaining supplied by the vendors and brands that they've known and trust is one thing. To know they're doing it while keeping their workers safe is amazing. It tells me our industry can withstand just about any adversity you throw our way. Hashtag cannabis is essential. Before signing off, we have our fun fact. This episode's fun fact is brought to you by the Big Bad DEA. The Drug Enforcement Administration issued a notice of proposed rulemaking in the Federal Register on March 23rd, 2020. Public comments remain open until May 22nd, 2020. The DEA is proposing to amend its regulations to facilitate the cultivation of cannabis for research. If adopted, these new rules would radically overhaul how medical cannabis can be researched. This proposed rulemaking will serve only to further hinder research and indefinitely delay any potential positive outcomes. Most significantly, a law enforcement agency like the DEA should not be in charge of any aspect of this process. One of the many qualified public health agencies in the federal government, like the Health and Human Services or National Institutes of Health, etc., should manage all of the processes related to research, including making decisions about who qualifies to grow and sell to researchers. Furthermore, the U.S. should adopt a regulatory framework that encourages and facilitates further research rather than chilling it, as this proposed rulemaking would. 
You only have days left to go submit comments on this proposal. Make sure and do it lest we hand over the research of cannabis to the most corrupt law enforcement agency in our country. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes. So that's it for this COVID-19 special on retailers. Our next special will focus on producers and we'll even dig into this newfound boon for cannabis beverage companies. Stay tuned and stay high, my friends. High on Our Own Supply is hosted and produced by Brad Bogus. It is sponsored by Confident Cannabis. You can check out Confident Cannabis at wholesale.confidentcannabis.com. Our theme song is written by Tone Oliver. Check out Tone Oliver at toneoliver.com or on any of your music streaming apps like Spotify. Make sure and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Everybody worried about the ROI, just a little FYI, better improve them KPIs, can't forget about compliance, yes, it's a sign, yes, time to get it started, turn it up, sit back, side, we're getting high, on our own supply, we're getting high, on our own supply, we're getting high, on our own supply, ay, giving you the game, all facts, no lies, yeah, yeah.